I'll go ahead and get started with some less important information. That's uh, the announcements. Uh, I think I can say that fairly, that it is less important than the word, uh, but important nonetheless. So uh, tonight, uh, food truck nights at 5 o'clock. Uh, we will enjoy some uh, food and fellowship and some sweat uh, tonight at 5 o'clock. Uh, so come out and be part of that tonight. We're looking forward to being together. Uh, we've got some f good food truck lineups coming tonight. And uh, we'll enjoy uh, some food. As I mentioned earlier this morning, uh, we will open up the lobby uh, for those of you that uh, just don't want to deal with the heat or can't deal with the heat, whatever that case may be. Uh, you will likely find me over there as soon as uh, possible. And uh, if you talk to my wife, uh, she talks about how I melt in the heat. So um, physically, I don't, but well, I sweat. But um, uh, I think uh, more emotionally, I, I just start you know, falling apart. So <laughs> I, I can't give my kids a, too much of a hard time because their dad is uh, leading the pack on that. So uh, anyway, we'll have we'll have a good time with that after uh, the worship and baptism time and all that. Uh, we'll have ice cream and uh, some uh, iced coffee uh, food truck out there as well. So Cold Stone ice cream. Uh, compliments of Kevin Garrett. He always likes to donate that, which was very kind to him. And then uh, a nice food truck, so uh, or iced coffee truck. Uh, so, uh, did I have a question here? Yeah. yeah. Uh, baptisms will start probably, so uh, we're, we'll be moving inside at around 6:30 to begin the worship time, and then we'll have a couple of songs and welcome. So probably 6:45 ish. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, so women's conference coming up, uh, I believe that's September 9th. Uh, so if you're not signed up for that yet, uh, please look into that and consider uh, that opportunity. It's just a Saturday day conference this year. And then uh, the next equip classes. Uh, so this is our last day here together, but uh, next week we will begin a new block of classes and uh, we'll enjoy uh, those, uh, myself and Mike Grant, will be teaching a class on fellowship. Uh, so Forsaken Fellowship is what we've titled that, and we'll uh, be team teaching that uh, over the next six weeks. Would certainly love to have you at that, but uh, there's a lot of class offerings that will be provided this next uh, section. So I encourage you to look at the app and uh, find your next class. Uh, the Forge on Pneumatology for the men, that'll be coming up here uh, starting in a couple of weeks as well. Uh, if you're not signed up, I encourage you to sign up. Uh, so if you're not familiar with uh, Pneumatology, you're like, what is that? Uh, well, you should come to the class. Uh, but no, it's uh, Study the Holy Spirit. And uh, we'll be going through Kosti Hinn's brand new book, Hot Off the Press. Uh, literally, we had to get uh, some pre-publication copies so that we could review them uh, to make sure that it would work well for us because there was uh, kind of some difficulty finding uh, a good book on pneumatology that fits where we are theologically at New Community. Uh, there, it's, it's a challenging um, endeavor to find. There's, there's kind of polemics written out there on, uh, on, from our perspective, but 
not really any really good books uh, that talk about it in the positive sense of what, what we believe. And so this is going to be a good, good read. I haven't read through it all yet, but uh, we trust Costi. If you're not familiar with him, again, he's uh, the nephew of Benny Hinn uh, and was very much involved in that whole um, uh, ministry and theology. Uh, his whole family was, and uh, he uh, got saved and separated from uh, that whole world and, and lost a lot of friends, lost family, and uh, all kinds of things over it. So we're, uh, we're working with Costi to actually have him come in uh, and speak, uh, not just to the Forge group, but to uh, do our uh, Think Conference in January. Uh, so that should be a really good opportunity as well, but we'll give you more information on that as it comes available. Uh, we have a golf event coming up uh, middle of September or so. Uh, men and women love to have you come out and be part of that. That's all on the app, that information. We encourage you to sign up. Uh, we're doing uh, groups of two for the uh, golf event this year. So grab a buddy and get out there and enjoy uh, a golf uh, outing this year. Uh, women's Bible study is also getting ready to start up. So we got uh, a see if I can get this right. We've got uh, a Wednesday night, a Thursday morning, and a Friday morning study. No? Oh, it's Wednesday morning now. Oh, okay. Wednesday. No, yes, yes, I did know that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is Wednesday morning, Wednesday night, and Thursday morning. And then, Karen, when is your, I think it's closed. Is that right? Zoom class on Mondays, but it is closed? It's full? Okay. Okay. Um, and then uh, Grief Share starting up. Uh, that is a ministry for those going through uh, personal profound grief, uh, whether that's very recently or uh, in the past, just uh, helping folks struggle uh, through the loss of a loved one. And so that's a great ministry. Uh, the Tharps and uh, Jim uh, Davis will be leading that along with, uh, I think, Don, are you going to be part of that again? Uh, Don's part of that, and uh, you'll be around. I don't know what I'll be doing. Okay, very good. Well, uh, I, I know that's a, I looked at it several years ago, the curriculum and uh, material, and it's really helpful, uh, good stuff that just helped me think through uh, the grieving process. Um, and so would encourage you if that applies to you or maybe to somebody that you know uh, to uh, consider taking part in that uh, Saturday morning uh, class that's, uh, uh, they all stand alone, so you don't have to necessarily go to all of them, but uh, the more the better. So encourage you to maybe consider that as well. That's a lot of stuff going on as we start up the fall, but uh, trust that uh, you'll take part in the things that, uh, that are helpful and beneficial to you and um, we'll, we'll be blessed by that. So, yes? You got one through six. Huh? I got one through six. Thank you. That's what I thought and I just wanted to make sure that uh, my memory wasn't failing me as sometimes it does. Uh, so let's, uh, let's pray. Thank you, Charlie. And uh, we'll begin uh, this morning. Father, thanks for this time that we can be gathered together. Thank you for uh, these last few weeks that we've had the opportunity to uh, look at this topic of rest and the biblical priority uh, that it should be in our lives and that we should consider 
those areas that are prohibitive from true rest in you. Lord, we pray that uh, you would help us as we think through kind of these last few points here this morning as it relates to anxiety, fear, and worry. And Lord, we pray that it would be uh, a blessing to us as we uh, are really reminded of uh, probably very familiar truths to most of us. Uh, but Lord, things that in the busyness and in the challenges of life that, that we often uh, fail to remember. And so perhaps maybe it's just a really helpful, good reminder for us this morning where we are. Uh, Lord, we pray for uh, those here this morning that uh, you would meet them wherever they are in regards to uh, the challenges that face them. And Lord, that uh, we might, uh, as a result of this class, spend some time thinking about uh, our schedules, thinking about our lives and the dynamics in our lives and uh, take a proactive initiative to uh, make the adjustments that may be needed in order for us to uh, prioritize the rest that you desire for us to have, that you have modeled for yourself uh, in the creative order, Lord, in the uh, Sabbath for Israel, and certainly uh, by extension, the desire that you have for us to find a rest in you and to quiet our souls and to uh, acknowledge that uh, we are not made just to be going 24-7 all the time, but Lord, that we need uh, to slow down and to enjoy this life that you've given us. And uh, to do that, we, we truly need some rest. And so Lord, we pray that you would help us in that even today as we spend these moments together. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we began with uh, the first six, I guess, of uh, the points as it relates to uh, rest and the, the threat of rest and that being uh, anxiety, fear, and worry. And then I know that uh, Alex did a great job, heard from several of you uh, from last uh, Sunday on the topic of depression and how that can be uh, a, a dynamic of uh, in our lives to prevent us from resting uh, more and then often is a result of not resting, right? Uh, so it can be preventative of it or it can be a result of it. Uh, of, uh, so we just, hopefully that was helpful to you as we think through uh, the dynamic of the need for rest and the emotional dynamics that get involved uh, in the dynamics of living in a complex world uh, with fallen, broken bodies, with all kinds of dynamics that uh, sometimes we're even unaware of uh, that are impacting us and influencing us. And so uh, we want to continue on that today, but just kind of as a, uh, to prime the pump a little bit uh, on the uh, topics that we were talking about last time. Uh, and that is uh, number one, uh, the necessity of dependence on God. So that's uh, number one there on your outline. I give you a fresh one in case uh, you needed it. And we're not going to talk in detail about these first six, but uh, just allow you to fill them in if needed. Uh, number two was trust in God's character. So we looked at several verses as it related to that. Number three, to learn to release control. Uh, often our hearts and our lives are uh, wrapped around a desire to control the circumstances of life, and we need to 
acknowledge that uh, we truly aren't in control. And the, the sooner and the faster that we can acknowledge that and rest in God's sovereignty, uh, the better off we will be. And just uh, make our plans, but keep them with that open hand, right, to whatever the Lord has. Uh, number four was address the idols of the heart, that often fear, worry, and anxiety are uh, wrapped up with the issues of idolatry and that we're trying to hold on to something uh, or not have something that... Uh, that God is putting into our life, but we don't want that. So maybe it's a desire for comfort. That's one that I struggle with. Uh, desire just to have an easy, comfortable life. And yet, you know, God in his goodness and sovereignty keeps putting things into my life that I don't necessarily want, because why? It doesn't allow me to be comfortable and just have my time, right? Um, so we can have that idol of comfort or whatever that may be in our lives to uh, disrupt. And then we get frustrated and we get anxious and we get worried that, you know, we can't have uh, this comfort that I want or whatever the, the issue may be. Uh, number five was con confront your unbelief. Uh, just understanding worrying uh, excessively can indicate a struggle about an unbelief of uh, the goodness of God, his sovereignty and his care uh, in your life and uh, acknowledging these things. Uh, number six there, what we ended with last time was fight for contentment. Um, again, understanding that anxiety may point back to a lack of contentment with our current circumstances leading us to constantly seek more or different things in our lives to bring that contentment or that, that uh you know, soap bubble, imaginary thought that we would have contentment if I can just have this, right? Uh, that's, the, that's the lesson of Ecclesiastes, right? That when I taught the book of Ecclesiastes to the youth years ago, uh, I, I used uh, that analogy and that idea of a soap bubble, right? It just, you know, it's so beautiful and it's mesmerizing uh, for a moment and then it's gone, right? Uh, that's, that's what uh, often we're looking for is just finding those little soap bubbles of life that we think are gonna bring uh, contentment, but in a second they're popped and gone. Uh, and so uh, acknowledging that we need to uh, fight for contentment even as Paul uh, taught us in Philippians 4. So that's kind of just a uh, prime the pump uh, to get back to uh, number seven. I think I gave it to you just in brief last time, but uh, certainly didn't spend extended amount of time on it. And that is focus on the word, not the world. When anxiety and fear dominate our hearts, it can reveal that we're overly focused on the temporal aspects of life rather than an eternal perspective. And Colossians 3.2 says, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. And even going back to our youth ministry, that's now going to be our high school ministry, but a sin student ministry. When I came 12 years ago, uh, we started and kind of named the, uh, the, the ministry existed, but didn't really have a name other than youth ministry. And so we wanted to kind of give it a name and we gave it a sin student ministries. And it came from this verse. And uh, we started a summer camp called Ascend Summer Camp. And all of that was pent up in this concept of not being worldly thinking, right? But set our minds on things above, 
where Christ is and not on the things of earth because uh, even as I said, uh, as it relates to Ecclesiastes, these things are just fleeting. And we find our contentment and our satisfaction, our meaning in things of this world, we're gonna be uh, really discouraged and disappointed. And this verse encourages here in Colossians for believers to focus their thoughts and minds on heavenly and spiritual matters rather than getting consumed by earthly concerns, how easy that is for all of us. And here's how it relates to dealing with worry, fear, and anxiety, right? If we have shifting perspectives and by setting our minds on earthly things, we gain a broader perspective on life. And this helps us see beyond our immediate worries and anxieties and recognizes that there's a greater purpose and plan of God at work and whatever that's going on. We can shift our focus, shift our perspective from whatever it is that's going on that we can easily get you know, wrapped up in to acknowledge that, you know what, there is a lot going on over there and I don't know what all those dynamics are, but I'm gonna shift my perspective to acknowledge that whatever God's doing in there, that it's for my good somehow, I may not understand or know exactly what that is in the moment, and for his glory. And so there's even circumstances and situations of life that we get so focused on our immediate circumstances and how it's impacting us, that we don't even recognize that whatever it is that God's doing in this thing in my life, it may not even be about me. But we tend to think it's, it's fundamentally about me. And uh, to acknowledge and shift our perspective that, no, what I do know is that whatever that is that's going on, God has a good plan for my life. He is seeking to sanctify me. If I know nothing else, I know whatever is going on in my life, he is seeking to make me more and more and more like Jesus. I do know that. And whatever that is that's going on, I can be confident that God is conforming me into the image of Christ as a result of these circumstances in my life. And that whatever is going on in all of that and whatever God is sanctifying me and whatever he's doing in that, he desires to be glorified in and through all of those things. And so I can be confident and I can shift my perspective from the temporal circumstances to knowing that God is working in and through this for my good, my holiness, my sanctification, right? Uh, always often say, uh, God is not nearly as concerned in my happiness as he is my holiness, right? He wants me to be holy. He desires for me. He's called me to be holy. He has not called me to be happy necessarily. Joy, yes, in circumstances, back to Paul in Philippians 4, right? Be joyful in all these circumstances. How? Well, by understanding these principles of understanding that that God's in control, he's looking out for his glory, he's looking out for my holiness, and in it all, I can be confident of that. Even if I'm very confused, even perhaps frustrated and uncertain about whatever is going on over here, in the midst of my life. So shifting that perspective to be on the word and the principles of the word, not on the world and the circumstances uh, that's taking place. Uh, Another uh, thought here is prioritizing spiritual matters. 
focusing on heavenly things involves priority, prioritizing our relationship with God and seeking his will and growing in faith. And this can shift our focus on, uh, can, it can help us shift our focus rather than finding comfort in those circumstances, finding comfort and strength and peace, even in the midst of those challenges, knowing that God is seeking to do those things that I was just mentioning. And then lastly, letting go of earthly worries. When our minds are fixed on heavenly things, we're less likely to be overwhelmed by the temporary earthly concerns of this life. We can learn to trust in God's provision and his ability to handle our worries and our fears of whatever those things are, we can turn them over. Uh, again, I think I've said this, but the scriptures assume we're going to have these emotions, right? Uh, it wouldn't give us the uh, scriptures to help us uh, deal with these emotions, whether it's depression, fear, worry, anxiety. Uh, it wouldn't give us these kinds of truths to meditate on if it wasn't assuming that we will have them. Uh, so it, God knows that we're going to deal with living in a broken world and we're going to come up against circumstances and situations in this life where we're going to be very tempted to be, to have worry, to have fear, to be anxious, to be depressed, right? So God is answering those things and giving us clear direction and principles for which we are to live. And so in the context of dealing with worry, fear, and anxiety, Colossians 3.2 teaches us to intentionally direct our thoughts towards God and his kingdom by seeking spiritual growth and trusting in God's sovereignty as we seek to overcome anxieties related to worldly uncertainties and find peace in him and our relationship with him. Maybe a couple other verses that we could think about as it relates to this is Romans 12.2 says, do not be conformed to this world, right? So don't let your, world, your mind be so focused on the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And so we can understand that God is using these circumstances that we might be conformed, that our minds, how we think about these things, would be transformed and conformed into the likeness of the Lord. First uh, John 2, 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Now, in counseling and many situations of my own heart and life and talking with others, often what you find is when f fear, worry, anxiety, and depressions of many kinds and those things preventing true rest in our souls, you will find some kind of worldly, earthly concern kind of at the center of our hearts, of the center of someone else's life, of what, who you may be 
seeking to help talk through uh, what they're going on. There, there's something there. And so our objective, whether it's ourselves or someone else, is to help shift their minds from the earthly thoughts, the earthly concerns, to those which are more heavenly and spiritual. And so to not love the world, as, as John says in 1 John, but to love the Lord and to put your hope and your trust in him. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. We've looked at this a couple of times. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, right? Again, where do the fears, worries, and anxieties and oppressions often come from? We're setting up treasures on earth. We're, we're, we're concerned about these things of earth. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But what are we to do? We're to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, right? So when you see and fear, uh, feel these anxieties and fears and all these feelings that are preventing you from truly resting, a good question to ask is where is my treasure? What am I desiring? What, what am I wanting so badly uh, in my life to either get again or to not get that my heart will not rest? My soul will not rest. What is it that I'm wanting? It's a good diagnostic kind of question for us to ask ourselves in moments where you know, we're, we're getting anxious, whether it's on the road and there's a driver that's not going to the speed that we want them to go. What is it that, well, I just want these people to get out of my way so I can go the speed I want to go, right? It's me. You know, I, I deal with that, right? Uh, there's, what, what is it? My kids, right? What is it that I want? Back to the comfort thing, right? There, there's often these dynamics that are taking place in the heart of the individual and whatever circumstances and feelings that are being experienced, that a good diagnostic question is just what am I desiring? What am I wanting that either God is bringing into my life that, that I don't want or that I want that God is withholding from me for whatever reason? And that could be traffic or that could be a house or that could be children or that could, you know, that you just name as, you're, as you feel that going on in your soul ask the di that diagnostic question or ask that diagnostic question of somebody that you may be working with and discipleship and counseling or whatever the case may be, just a friendship. I ask my kids these kind of questions. What, what are you wanting so badly, right? Uh, you're wanting this, okay, it's selfishness. You know, and, and it's helping them shift the focus from what they're desiring, what they're wanting to what the scriptures would have us do in those circumstances. So for, for my kids, right? Okay, you're, you guys are all getting, you know, with each other. What are you wanting? Well, I want this. Well, I want this. I want to watch this show. No, I want to watch this show. Okay, what is this? Selfishness. What does the scripture teach us? To look out for the interest of others more than yourself, right? And so just trying to, again, whether this is your home life, whether it's whoever it may be, your own heart, asking the question, what is it that I'm wanting? What is it that this person is wanting? Uh, one last passage here, maybe uh, 
2 Corinthians 4.18, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And then James 4.4, one more. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So, uh, implication there is don't expect your spiritual life to be going well if you're pursuing and loving the things of the world. So if you're fearing, if you're worrisome, if you're anxious, if you're depressed, ask that diagnostic question, right? And if you can, you may even need somebody help like somebody that's close to you and loves you or whatever it may be like hey what do you think that is that i'm desiring so much sometimes we're blind to it identify that and then say be willing to ask yourself am i loving that in a way that is not pleasing to the lord and is that what's going on because that can then be tied to a spiritual dynamic in your life that you may not be experiencing the kind of intimacy that you desire or want from the Lord because you're loving something more than the Lord in this world. So there, that point, focus on the word, focus on the Lord of the word, not the things of this world. Uh, number eight, seek to resolve trauma or past hurts. You know, deep-seated anxiety might be man a manifestation of unresolved emotional wounds or even traumas from the past. And I know this may get really sensitive and personal. And Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. And for us to acknowledge that the Lord desires for us to have an intimate relationship with him where it brings the kind of healing to our hearts and to our souls that would allow true rest. And I would just encourage you, if you're in a place where, or you know somebody that's in a place where they, they're unable to rest, unable to have a, a true sense of rest in their life, uh, and you know that they have uh, all kinds of trauma and dynamics from their past, uh, to encourage them, uh, to uh, get the kind of help, biblically, hopefully, uh, that, that they need uh, for those kinds of situations because uh, they will never be able to find that true rest. And sometimes it takes a lot of um, uh, swallowing of, of pride, perhaps, uh, to say, hey, you know what, I do need to go get help. Um, it, it may take a lot of uh, uh, willingness to acknowledge that uh, you need help and and that you can go to someone to get that. And I would just encourage you to be willing uh, in that circumstance, whether it's you or someone else. Uh, Psalm 34, 18 reminds us that God is intimately involved in our lives. He wants to be, he desires to be, especially during those times of distress and anxiety. But what we often feel is that God is distant and removed from us. So the question is, are you going to believe the word, back to our last point, right? Or are you going to believe your feelings in those circumstances? The word says 
that he's near to the broken heart and saves the crushed in spirit. That's the desire of the Lord in the midst of these kinds of times. He is a loving and caring father who is ready to comfort, to save, and to heal us. And so as we turn to him in our moments of worry and fear, we can experience the peace that comes from knowing we are not alone. God knows the circumstances better than we do. He understands all the intimate intricacies of whatever circumstance or whatever feelings that you're having. And we can truly rest and trust in him and that our Heavenly Father is there to support us through every trial. Lamentations 3, 31 through 33 says, For the Lord will not cast off forever. Though you may feel like that in these times, right? Even though you may feel like, man, the Lord feels so far away from me. He says this, but though he caused grief, he allows it, right? He, he providentially allows grief to exist within our life of one form or another. He will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love, for he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. He allows these things, that things take place in our lives, that, that he allows to enter into our life. But ultimately, what he desires for us is that these things would lead us back to him and to have a deeper, stronger reliance and dependence upon him in the midst of whatever it is that we're going through. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so these verses essentially give us these insights on how Jesus addresses the burdens of the worry, fear, and anxieties of our hearts. And there's an invitation to find rest here in this passage here. Jesus invites all who are weary and burdened to come to him. He understands the struggles and challenges that we face and offers to give us rest for our souls. And first, that happens on salvation, right? The first and most important place is that we finally and ultimately repent of all of our self-reliance and self-dependence. We completely give our lives over to Christ. And it's only in that, and therefore going back to that, in these moments of anxiety, worry, and fear, that we can truly rest in him. But we are to learn from Jesus. By taking Jesus' yoke upon ourselves, we enter into a close, intimate relationship with him. And learning from Jesus means following his teachings, seeking his wisdom, and trusting in his guidance in the midst of these circumstances of life, right? What my tendency is in these moments of, of my life is I begin trying to figure it out on my own, right? S relying and depending on my own wisdom, my own contributions that I can make to whatever this situation is going on in my life, rather than going back to be fully and completely dependent in prayer and in the word upon the Lord for whatever the circumstances that I'm going through. But also being gentle and lowly in heart. 
Jesus reassures us of his compassionate and gentle nature. He doesn't add more weight to our burdens, but instead offers understanding, love, and comfort. We could go to 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that even though these temptations are common to man, that he gives us a way of escape. And what is that? It's not just, you know, that, that word is kind of unfortunate there as it's translated in English, but it's, it's not a way out of the circumstance. It's a way to bear up under the circumstance by the strength of Christ in the midst of that circumstance to get through it and understand, as we've talked about, that it is his purposes being accomplished in and through whatever the circumstance is that may be very unfavorable to us, but God is desiring to do a work in our hearts. And then he says, it is an easy yoke and a light burden. And following Jesus and embracing his ways doesn't lead to more hardship and stress. On the contrary, his yoke is easy to bear and his, light is, his burden is light, meaning that he empowers us to navigate the life's challenges with his strength and his grace. He, he gives us the grace needed for the moment. And you may feel, even in the midst of these times and circumstances or someone that you're talking to and working with, that it's just too much to bear. But what the scriptures teach us is if you're in Christ, you have the grace necessary. You have the, the strength necessary to bear up under for the circumstance that God has allowed into your life. He wouldn't give it to you if he knew you couldn't handle it. He's given you everything you need. It may feel, again, our, our emotions are deceptive, right? But the word stands forever. It may feel like we don't have what we need, but the scriptures teach us that we do. In the context of dealing with worry, fear, and anxiety, here in Matthew 11, it encourages us to surrender our burdens to Jesus. We can bring our worries, fears, and anxieties to Jesus in prayer and lay them at his feet. And sometimes that's the simplicity of what we fail to do. We, we never even get there, right? We're, we're so caught up in our anxiety, fear, and worry that we never even cast them at the feet of Jesus and say, I don't know what to do. I'm out of options. I need your wisdom. You know, and going to the Lord in those things to ask for his help. We never even get there. Or it's the last resort and not the first resort, right? Uh, I, I've been there plenty of times where I'm like, all right, well, I'm out of options. Now I'll turn to the Lord, <laughs> right? That's, that's the wrong answer, but we all do it. Like it's, it's just human nature, our sinful human nature that we tend to use that and go to the Lord in prayer as our last final resort rather than our first. Uh, secondly here, we learn to trust in the guidance of Christ. You know, as we learn from Jesus and seek his teachings in the scriptures, we gain wisdom and insight to face life's challenges with courage and faith, right? It's no longer just up to what I have to bring to the table, 
No, I'm going to take faith and courage in the Lord of what he is doing in and through this, that I can have confidence walking through this challenge, walking through this, this valley, maybe a very dark valley, but I can have confidence knowing that he is there protecting, guiding, directing. And then lastly here, we can experience rest for our souls. By coming to Jesus and accepting his invitation to come, we can learn and find rest for our souls, experiencing his peace and comfort amidst the storms of life of various kinds. We can truly do that. And so these verses remind us that we don't have to carry the weight of worry, fear, and anxiety alone. And we shouldn't. As children of the king, we shouldn't carry all that on our own. Jesus invites us to turn to him, trust in his goodness, and experience the rest and peace that come from walking in his presence and following in his ways. And again, that starts with that first moment of repentance to come to him, make him, and confess him as Lord and Savior of our life. And then we begin the lifelong challenge of experiencing that and disciplining ourselves towards that end every day. Um, we, we can have, you know, gospel amnesia, right? We, we can forget the importance of the gospel, not only for that moment of salvation, but throughout the rest of our lives daily, often reminding ourselves of what God has provided in not just our salvation, but our sanctification for daily growth and daily conformity into the image of Christ. In 2 Corinthians 1, Paul says in verses 3 and 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction. Some of our affliction, a few of our afflictions, no, all of our afflictions with the comfort of which he, uh, which we ourselves are comforted by God. So we now have the opportunity to extend that same mercy, that same grace and ministry to others that we've received in Christ. And so we can enjoy this ourselves, but not only for ourselves, but then to help minister to others and extend it to other people as needed. Uh, ninth here is find your security and identity in Christ. You know, fear and worry can stem from feelings of inadequacy and insecurity and doubting our worth and abilities. Oftentimes, these, these things begin to creep into our souls and we begin to doubt and we begin to question our adequacy. The, well, the reality is you are inadequate. You are not able. You are not strong enough. You, so just confess it and welcome it and say, yeah, I, I'm nothing. But Christ is everything in me. And the faster and quicker, not only in a moment in time, but in all of these experiences that we can get to that is, yeah, I am insufficient. That's exactly where God wants us to be because it's finding our sufficiency, not in ourselves, but in the person of Christ. And Psalm 139, 13 through 14 says, 
for you were formed, or you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. And so we accept and acknowledge from the moment of creation, from the moment of inception of our, our souls and who we are as a person, that God knows. God knows us intimately. And so understanding this as it relates to worry, fear, and anxiety, we're, we're acknowledging that God has a personal involvement in our lives. He is not a deistic God that just kind of wound up the clock and let it go into the universe. He's a relational, intimate God that desires to have relationship with you and knows you, regardless even if you're a believer or unbeliever. This is a wonderful reality that we can even, at an apologetic level, like help people understand that you, you may be rejecting God. He's not rejecting you as an individual. He is calling you to repentance and have a relationship. He wants to have a relationship. So the psalmist acknowledges that God is intimately involved in the creation of every individual. And this reminds us that we are not mere products of chance, but uniquely designed by God himself. Not alone, understanding the imago Dei, the image of God and man, should bring a significance to your life and to what you are, uh, your, kind of your self-perception of yourself. Uh, we just had a conversation with one of our kids the other day, and uh, I can't remember exactly what it was about, but um, it, was, it was about an animal, and uh, oh, uh, my girls were watching the new um, uh, Little Mermaid movie, and Eric is on the ship, right? Uh, and uh, the, the ship's on fire, and he has this dog that's caught in the fire and, and doesn't know how to escape. And so Eric runs in, right, and goes through the flames and, you know, grabs the dog and jumps off into the water with, with the dog. And so one of my daughters asks, hey, Dad, if there was a dog, you know, would you go after it you know, if it was in flames? Like, you know, trying, and I, first, I didn't even know what she was talking about because I hadn't seen the movie yet. Uh, I saw the old one, but I uh, just had no idea what she was talking about. And uh, I'm like, oh, are you talking about the movie? Yeah, yeah. Would you do that? I'm like, well, you know, I don't know. I would like to believe that I would, but the reality is, is a dog is not as valuable as a human life. And so if it was going to kill me, I would have more value for my own life than the dog's life. Well, she didn't really like that answer. <laughs> and it probably shouldn't have gone there, but uh, I said, but then I turned and I'm like, but if it was you, absolutely. There's nothing that would stop me from coming to try to help and save you or another person because they're made in the image of God. We've got to apply that truth and that reality to our lives on a daily basis. And it's not to build up and pump up you know, some self-esteem. That's not what I'm talking about. It's having a true sense of understanding of who you are as an image bearer of God in this life. And that making a difference in the circumstances of life in order that you may not find your identity in the circumstances and situations of life because maybe they've got you beat down and you just don't feel worthy. No, it's 
finding your identity in the person of Christ and what God has created you to be first and foremost. And so even if all of life seems like it's in disrepair and just a, a mess, that you can know, you know what? God created me in his image. He knows what he's doing. If nothing else, I'm going to trust in that, rely on him, and even better, not only am I made in the image of God, but I'm a child of the king. And I have a relationship with Christ, and he is by my side through these circumstances and circumstances of life. So embracing our identity and recognizing that we're fearfully and wonderfully made by God helps us to embrace our identity with confidence and with gratitude, not some superficial self-esteem, not talking about that, right? They, they talk about that. You just need to love yourself more. Well, no, you need to love God more. And as you love God more, realizing that you're made in the image of God, you will have confidence to face the true struggles and difficulties of life. And it counteracts feeling of inadequacy and insecurities that may fuel worry and anxiety of many kinds. But then as we keep returning to trusting in God's sovereign plan as well, understanding that God's personally formed and knows us re reinforces the truth that he has a purpose and a plan for each of our lives. That this can alleviate fears about the future and uncertainties, knowing that you know, God didn't make a mistake. I'm not the product of chance. No, God has a purpose and a plan for every individual. And then praising God for his works. The psalmist praises God for the wonderful works, signifying an attitude of trust and surrender. It redirects our focus from the worries and anxieties towards knowing that God's greatness and his sovereignty is at work in and through all of these things. And so in dealing with fear and worry and anxiety, the psalm helps us understand that we can embrace our identity as an individual made in the image of God. Instead of dwelling on insecurities, we can find peace and confidence and knowing that we are uniquely made and loved by God. Secondly, we can surrender to God's plan. Trusting in God's careful design of our lives allows us to let go of anxiety about our future and to place our trust in his providence, in his care, in his orchestration of all of life, our lives, the lives of other people, all that's going on. We can trust in that, knowing that he's got a plan that includes us, that hasn't forgotten us, hasn't thought less of us in the circumstance, but has considered us and what his plan is for our lives. And then we can leave and praise and gratitude, shifting our focus towards praising God for our, his wonderful works can change our perspective and uplift our spirits in times of worry and fear, knowing that he is doing that work that he knows us, that he's intimately made us. And so ultimately, the, these verses remind us that we are known and we are loved by the creator. And that awareness can bring comfort and assurance in the way that we face worry, fear, and anxieties of many kinds. And by trusting in God's loving design, 
and purpose for our lives, we can find peace and rest in him, in his character. And so Romans 8, 37 through 39 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. However, guys, if you've experienced any of these emotions, you know that there's times in, fury, in, in fear and worry and in anxieties and depression that you feel like the Lord has left you you practically begin to think in some way in some of these circumstances that I've been separated from the love of the Lord. That there's some kind of distance here. And the reality is, is that is our emotions telling us lies in those moments. That we have to get back to the word and say, what does the word teach me that is true in these circumstances. Now, what do my emotions say? My emotions lie to me all of the time, right? We all know this to be true. Whether it's lust, whether it's fear, worry, whatever it may be, some kind of emotion is often ruling my heart that will quickly turn into a deceptive experience if I'm not keeping it in check with what the scriptures teach me of truth and reality. Ephesians 4, 1 through 5 says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should live, should be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. So not only are we made in the image of God, the Imago Dei, but for us as children of God, we have this wonderful love that he's bestowed upon us. And in that love, that intimate knowledge, that intimate love, he chose us and he predestined us. What? To be conformed to the image of his son. That's amazing. So whatever the life circumstances, whatever the emotions, whatever is going on, I can take it to the bank that I'm made in his image and that as one of his children, he's conforming me into his image in a practical way, day by day, through these experiences of life. Often difficult, often emotionally wearing, but I can be confident that he is doing and accomplishing these things in us. First Peter 2.9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. These things are being accomplished in your life that you may proclaim his excellencies, even in the midst of a dark, shadowy valley. You can proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In 2 Corinthians 12, 
9 through 10, Paul said, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Right? There we are again. It's not about our strengths. It's not about our adequacy. It's not about our sufficiency. It's no, in our weakness, his adequacy, his strength, his power is made perfect. So he says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. Right? There we are. Boast in your weaknesses so that the power of Christ may, be, may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecution, calamities. For when I am weak, he is strong. That's where we want to be in this life, understanding that it's in our weaknesses that we're proclaiming the excellencies of God. We're bringing glory to him in all of these things. Uh, we're out of time. I think I gave it to you last time. I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but seek to have others-oriented thinking. All of this leads us to really what Pastor Rich preached on this morning. Fantastic passage that's one of my favorites in all the Gospels of just understanding that when we have a right perspective of ourselves before a holy God, our King that we will serve and love other people and have an other's focus because we are not greater than our Savior, right? We're just under servants. We're just doing what is least to be expected of God's children, to serve one another, to serve him. Uh, and that's fundamentally this last point is, is have an other's focus. I think a lot of times in my own life, I can get wrapped up in the moments of anxiety, fear, worry, depression. And often in those times, not exclusively, certainly, but we often will become pretty focused on what's going on in our lives, our circumstances, my feelings, that we forget all the people around us. I do that in my own home, right? Uh, I get home from a hard day and it's all about me, rather than second shift, as I often say, is going home to learn to serve my wife and my children and what's going on in their lives uh, in, in the midst of that. So may Christ be exalted in our weaknesses, in our fear, and our worry, in our anxieties, in our depression, May he be exalted because we're exalting not in our strengths, but in our weakness, that he might be strong. Let's pray. Father, thanks for this time over these last few weeks that we've been able to consider uh, this topic of rest. Lord, it is only when we completely depend upon you and all the practical intricacies of our lives that we can find rest. And it's only when we depend on ourselves and our strength that we will fail to find rest. So, Lord, we pray that you would help us in that endeavor, acknowledging that you are doing a work within us, Lord, that you are seeking to bring yourself glory in the midst of this life. And we may not ever know of a moment, of a circumstance, what the purpose was, 
but we do know that you are seeking to make us holy, that you are seeking to glorify yourself, and we pray that we might learn in the little details and circumstances and trials of life to exalt in that and that we would bring you glory in it. In Jesus' name, amen.